Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. Well, Joe, my favorite burn that you and I have about university can no longer be said anymore. And it's really upsetting because I love to make fun of Mississippi State fans about the fact that they had no national championships in any sport. And of course, last week, uh, about a week ago, in fact, Mississippi State finally broke through, got their first national championship in baseball. And as much as I say, hate to say it, it's very well deserved. And, you know, they've been there enough times. It was bound to happen eventually. Yeah, really no program probably deserved it more outside of Florida State to win a national championship in college baseball. And Mississippi State baseball fans are as passionate like as it gets in that sport. And I've even on record talked to multiple state fans through the years growing up in Mississippi who told me that they're admittedly more passionate about Mississippi State baseball than football. Well, Joe, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, you're going to tend to be more passionate about something you're good at. And they've always been good at baseball. And it's a, you know, it's something that they, they've really improved with their facilities, with the fan experience. And, I mean, even going to Ole Miss baseball games, there are times when I enjoy the baseball at Ole Miss more than I do football. So I know definitely at Mississippi State you're going to enjoy baseball a lot more than football, especially when you consider the fact that in terms of facilities, they have maybe the best facilities in college baseball. Meanwhile, in football, it's, you know, it's okay facilities. So that makes a big difference. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, football, you're kind of hard-pressed to get a 7-5 and five season here and there. Baseball, you've got that realistic chance to get to Omaha every year, and you're on the short list of teams that can win it every year. And that's really the case for Ole Miss as well. You know, they always have really good regular seasons. And I think you also make a great point about the facilities at Mississippi State. I went to a regional there two years ago in Starkville and saw the new uh, renovated uh, Duty Noble build it was just a first-class facility. Like, I really liked it better than the Mississippi Braves uh, ballpark in Pearl, for instance. Well, Joe, and I think that them having those facilities, the reason that they got a national seed this year, because if you looked at what they the season they had, it probably didn't warrant it. But ultimately, the success they had, they had had the years before got them that number seven seed, and that's what, you know, made it to where they had the home field advantage going into Omaha and gave them the confidence they had to make this kind of run they did this postseason. Yeah, one of our uh, listeners who's a regular, this Mississippi State fan, he definitely brought up the fact, you know, that we had criticized uh, their super easy regional. And I told him I still stand by that fact, you know, that they got an easy draw and that they also, you know, uh, probably should have been a national seed. But I told him, look, I mean, they definitely validated themselves with the run that they made through Omaha. I mean, when you beat the likes of Texas, you know, and uh, Vanderbilt in the finals and also, who was the other team they beat? Um, I'm trying to remember, it was another really good opponent. Um, Virginia. But regardless, yeah, Virginia, you know, a national championship winning school. I mean, that, that's a gauntlet there. So that, that's as good as it gets for a run for a title. Yeah, I mean, Joe, uh, I will I will say that uh, I will retract me saying they're not that good this year. They were overrated. But I will not detract from the fact that they did not deserve a national seed and that they did have an easy schedule. What they did doesn't change that. But it was amazing, and especially the wins over Texas, because I think looking in hindsight at the College World Series and all the teams that were in it, I really think that Mississippi State and Texas were the two teams who were playing the best. And I thought Texas – I mean, Mississippi State had to pull more out of the bag to beat Texas than they did against Vanderbilt, and that Texas team was loaded. They really were. I mean, number two virtually all year. You know, Texas is really good because – 
I found it interesting. One of their assistant coaches was one of my favorite uh, Major League Baseball players, uh, shortstop uh, Troy Tulowitzki, who was really good at shortstop for many years with the Colorado Rockies. And he's helped that program as an assistant kind of get back to the heights that they were with uh, Garrido back in the day. And I think Texas is here to stay, but Mississippi State is as well. And I think they were talking about it on the cast uh, last week at the conclusion of the game. You know, it was nine to nothing for a while, and so it kind of gave the commentators some time to reflect on uh, how this will impact Mississippi State going forward. And they talked about, you know, this could be the first of multiple titles. This, you know, could be kind of breaking through. Oh, I think it could be, too. I mean, you look at what Lamonis has done. He's made a College World Series every year he's been there. He's only been there for three years. And yeah. he's following up, well, you know, a great job of what they've been making at a the College World Series a lot before that, too. And I think this is going to be a huge uh, recruiting spur for them with the facilities they have, winning the national championship. And just the way they won, too, they were so gutsy, especially in their wins over Texas and Virginia. And seeing the fan support, I think that, you know, if you're a recruit and you see all those people from Mississippi State that traveled to Omaha and made it almost like a home game against Vanderbilt, which is an SEC school that's got their own pretty passionate fans, I mean, I just don't see how they're not going to continue to be good. Yeah, and they had high-level talent on this team. You look at Bednar, he's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, nobody's stock went up more than him. I mean, 15 strikeouts against Texas, that's just otherworldly. And they had Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen, just some household names. But here's the thing about this program. I mean, they've had household names through the years. They've had guys like Jonathan Papelbon, Will Clark, Rafael Palmero. And so it's kind of ironic that this is the team that broke through when you look at the history of this program. Joe, what I found to be even more interesting and ironic was that their two biggest players, the ones that are the seniors that everybody thinks about when they think about Mississippi State baseball, Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen, are both from places that I'm very familiar with. They're both from Alabama, and Rowdy Jordan's from Auburn. He's from the city of Auburn, where my Auburn show right now. And uh, Tanner Allen's actually from Mobile and played at UMS, which is where both my brothers went to school at, and it's only about a mile from my house. I think they knew each other growing up. I think they may have played baseball together, and they're roommates now. And there's something about Rowdy Jordan. I mean, the fans at Mississippi State love chanting his name. I don't think he could have played for a more appropriate school. They just loved him there. No, he just he he's a Mississippi State guy. Just fits. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine him playing anywhere else, even playing for Auburn in his hometown. Uh, he just kind of fits with them. And I mean, when when Rowdy gets up, it's insane chance of Rowdy Rowdy every time he gets up at bat. And it's just great. Yeah. It's good for TV. And you know what's interesting though is is good of a player as he is, as long as he's been there. I mean, he's a senior, and you know, you just feel like he's been there for forever. He didn't really make any of the big hits in this series. They didn't have to have him do it. And Tanner Allen made some, but really it was a lot of the lesser-known guys on Mississippi State that made the difference. I mean, you think about Tanner Leggett as a reserve, getting that game-winning hit against Texas in that crucial game three right there. And then you had uh, the kid who had just been out of community college who was running the bases, who got the steals and everything, who was you know, a guy that was just getting into the lineup too, and they're the ones that made a difference in that game. And some of those tight ones, it was definitely not the namesake guys that were uh, making the difference. No, that's certainly a compelling, profound point. Those guys really stepped up and it mattered most. 
You talk about the JUCO players on this team. There were a lot of guys that weren't heavily recruited out of high school that got a chance, you know, with Chris Lamonas, Houston Harding, uh, one of the starting pitchers uh, for Mississippi State. I think he was a JUCO guy that didn't have any offers uh, coming out of high school. And just, you know, additionally, you just think about, we talk about what this means for the program of Mississippi State. Their baseball team, their fans wanted a national title so much. They finally got that. But you just look at how proud a moment, Dan, it was for Mississippi State, also having guys in attendance who played for their baseball team and also Dak Prescott there. I mean, there's just never been a bigger culmination for Mississippi State athletics. No, I mean, and and I kind of thought that in getting that championship, Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen kind of supplanted Dak Prescott, Will Clark, and Raphael Palmero on the Mount Rushmore of Mississippi State Athletics, if you will. I think they're now a step above them because they have that championship. They're right up there. I, I don't know if anybody could completely surpass Dak Prescott because they love him so much, but I think they're right up there. I think I would put them like parallel with Prescott. Yeah. And I thought it was cool how Prescott was there and signed the baseballs for everybody, too. I thought this was a good look for him to, to show up and support his university like that. Definitely. I mean, the only thing that would add to it is if the Cowboys could win the Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. <laughs> I mean, that would just be mayhem for Mississippi State because that was the big thing that they wanted. You know, for years they've watched the likes of Brett Favre at Southern Miss, the Mannings at Ole Miss, you know, go on and have success in the NFL, mm-hmm. and specifically with Eli and Brett, you know, win Super Bowls. And Mississippi State just never had that until Dak Prescott. And ever since he's been there, you know, you've seen other programs take off. Like the women's basketball team has been tremendous, almost won national titles. And then now the baseball team finally gets it done. Yeah, Joe. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier in terms of teams deserving of a championship. The only team who had been to Omaha more and not won it was Florida State, which we've talked about a lot on this show. They've been to the College World Series 26 times and have not won a championship. And all 26 of those were, of course, with Mike Martin Sr., who is uh, retired, and now his son is leading the program. So, I mean, he went there 26 times and never got a championship. It'd be nice to see his son get get one for the dad because they definitely deserve it now. I mean, Mississippi State did, but Florida State's do like five of them. (laughs) Like. No doubt. And, you know, you think about Ron Polk, the former Mississippi State head coach, watching from the wings as Chris Lomonas wins the title this year. That's the kind of moment it would be just on so many more levels if uh, Mike Martin Sr. could see his son win uh, a national title. And it's really unfair to them, you know, as far as uh, how cruel the sport of baseball can be, because you look at how many times they've been to Omaha. They have zero titles. And then a program like Fresno State's maybe been there once or twice. They have a title. Coastal Carolina's been there one time. They have a title. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You see a lot of guys who get in there. I mean, even someone like Vanderbilt now, they've been there a lot lately. But if you look at their total amount of times they've been to Omaha, I bet it's only like a fourth of what Florida State has done. It's only, I think they've only been there five times. I think their first time was in 2011. Yeah, I mean, what, of course, what, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's coach has done, what Tim Corbin has done is just excellent. He's built a great program there. And, We'll see them in the finals again, too. And, Joe, the last thing I really want to say about this championship that I thought was so great is that they did it against Rocker. You know, they didn't beat Leiter, but they went out and uh, they lit up Rocker in that last game, and they won both those games two and three very decisively. And, you know, to beat up on a guy who's going to be a top-ten draft pick like Rocker the way they did, just a very decisive victory. 
Yeah, it just adds to um, how impressive this run was. You know, it's not like they got in there and got an easy draw against, you know, an inferior team. I mean, they beat the best of the best. I know that Arkansas was the number one team all year, but coming into the season, most people would have had Vanderbilt at that level because Rocker and Leiter are arguably the best one-two punch we've seen in the last decade in college baseball. And so to go through them, I mean, that just adds to the uh, historical accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, to beat the the two best pitchers really in America in a series, and then also that Texas team, I mean, I think it can't be understated how really good that Texas team was too. And I really think they'd probably beat the top two teams outside of themselves in getting the championship done. Uh, Arkansas was great, yeah. but they just, you know, they they couldn't uh, they they couldn't accept their own success, and they were playing NC State. And the only sad thing I think for what we get in this College World Series is that you don't really Vanderbilt didn't really deserve to be there, and you know you hate it because it's not their fault. But NC State played so great, and then even in that uh, second game, they had an inspired effort with only 13 players, and only lost to Vanderbilt three to one. And you kind of felt the yep. way they were playing. If they'd had a real chance to play that last game, they may have beaten Vanderbilt. Yes. And on that note, I was glad that State won because there would have always been kind of been that asterisk if Vanderbilt had won based on those circumstances. And it was also unfair, you know, for Vanderbilt to be able to pitch lighter in game one of the series because otherwise he would not have been available had, you know, he had to pitch on Saturday. Right. They would have had to pitch him in game three against NC State and then he wouldn't have gotten to pitch. So that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the right team ended up winning. I think Mississippi State would have beaten NC State also. But you just hate it for that NC State program. And you got to wonder, too, uh, how the ACC is going to respond to that. Because I feel like if I were the ACC, I'm missing out on all these opportunities to have my team in a championship. And instead it's an all-SEC final. And you, uh, you ended my season because one guy tested positive for COVID. I'd probably be pretty upset. And it's my understanding, I'm not going to say any schools' names on this show, but it's my understanding that another team in Omaha like turned NC State in as far as told them to test them. So I find that also suspicious. And just kind of how everything transpired, like the headlines came out apparently in the wee hours of the morning, the night before that game was going to be played on Saturday. And so I didn't feel like there was enough discussion there with NC State and transparency. And it's just, it's just not a good look for the NCAA, per usual, unfortunately. And especially when you look at the contradictory rhetoric, where you're worried about testing players on the field, but yet you don't have to test the fans that come into the stadium. There's so many people there. Right. I mean, you don't test the fans. The coaches were like hugging each other after the game, and all in game one, all the other players were like shaking hands with them. So guess what? Uh, it's a good chance that if some of the NC State guys had it, then the Vanderbilt guys had it too. I mean, that was just not fair yeah. to me. And they let the players for NC State all come out and take a group team photo together on Saturday afternoon. So they had no problem with them being in close, uh, you know, uh, uh, occasion for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. It's a good, it's a very good thing for the sport that Mississippi State ended up getting this championship. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, Joe, I think loss in this is you know LSU gets a new head coach. And I wonder, did they did they talk to Lamontis at all? Because I feel like they, you know, that, that's a that's a golden goose they might have missed out on if if LSU didn't at least try to get him. No, it is. 
If I was him, though, I'd stay right there in Starkville. You know, his dad went to Mississippi State as that family connection. I think he even grew up there maybe as a kid. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, there's something about the city of Starkville. Like, I can say this as an old Miss fan. Like, I just really like a lot of the restaurants there. It's a good place, and I like the facilities, as you mentioned uh, earlier, in contrast to LSU baseball. Yeah, definitely. Well, Joe, that being said, we'll, we'll move into a locker room talk that has a little bit to do with what we just talked about. And uh, I want to thank all of our listeners and catch us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live. You can also like us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show and listen to all of our old episodes on Spotify. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.